All right, we're recording. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Recording this one late night post-game, Leafs versus Stars. Only two Leafs games to talk about this week as there was the long All-Star break, or the, I guess, long Tate McRae fan fest break (laughs) we just had. As always, joined by co-host Jason. How's it going? Lucky enough to go to that Dallas game tonight. Building was ele- that was an electric game to go to. That was a lot of fun. That was so, the skills competition. So I went to the skills competition too. That was also very fun. Um, it was good. On, on, yeah, honestly, people people were complaining about the performance Kucherov. of Kucherov. I thought it was so much fun booing him, him and Pasternak, and they kind of leaned into it a bit. Like that made it fun. Like I think Kucherov. Like I don't think he. I think he was trying for like the first two competitions, if I remember. And then he kind of like fucked up one of them. I think he fucked up the the deking one. And then once he's done that, he's like, "All right, I'm done. I'm getting booed. Like, get me out of this building." Like, which is fair. Yeah. Like, it's not not a fun situation for him to be in. Like, you're at the All Star game. People want to cheer. Like, you want people to cheer for you. You don't want people to freaking boo you. Like, yeah, but and, like, where he, are you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess you go straight was, into enemy territory. <laughs> like, yeah, if, they, if yeah. it was in the the if it was in Sunrise, Florida, they would have booed him there too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There aren't many places. Kucherov is an underrated, huge rat. That guy is a a top tier, like top 1% in the NHL of rats. Like Brad Marchand always comes to the top. And it's so funny because Brad Marchand got cross-checked in the face. Pospisil gets a suspension from it. Calgary immediately hands Pospisil a contract extension. Um, So you can't beat. You can't beat Marshawn quite yet, but Nikita Kucherov is low-key dirty and is a rat, a huge rat. <laughs> that whole, yeah. like, not just, oh, like, shit that he does on the ice, like, which there have been many situations. He's been suspended a few times. But not only that, like, what about the, like, $100 million over the cap? He was like, ah, I don't know. He's just making fun of that, that he, he sat out the whole year and then came back for the playoffs. But anyways, so not many places where Nikita Kucherov would not get booed. Let's get real there. Um, yeah. yeah. And as we it's mentioned, fair. Tate McRae performed. That was, uh, that was unlike the NHL. That was interesting. Michael Bublé making headlines, taking that, shrooms. That was probably the highlight of the weekend though. Was Michael Bublé just being so a, funny. Just outing, just completely like, Outing himself, like he sounded nope. messed up. He, he yeah, was like, yeah. <laughs> he could he could have just gone off with like low blood sugar or something like that, and then he's he just rambling. like called himself out. He's like, "Yep, by the way, whoever my buddy gave me shrooms thought- way too much." Like, what? what? Did, did he, he said it was that? a microdose? It was not a yeah, microdose. It was not a microdose. <laughs> I thought I was in Blades of Glory out there, and then I realized, <laughs> <laughs> I'm that at the NHL All Star. That's where, honestly so the ratings for this weekend for the All Star game were up. I think it was up seventy seven percent skills competition, eighty two percent for the game, and then they had the draft on top of that too. I didn't watch the draft. I didn't watch much this weekend, but just paid attention to what like you couldn't get away from it because so much funny stuff was going on with it. Every every other event or every other like hour, there was something dumb happening. Um, so honestly, it was a I think Toronto did a very, very good job with the All Star game this weekend. But yeah, absolutely. And I got the uh, the All Star hoodie on right now. You can't even see it, but oh, the shirt. Nice. Yeah, the, the, it's they got some nice. They got some nice merch for it. It was really, honestly Ooh. really cool. Yeah, that was a horrible way to show up. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on. So we're going to be getting yeah. into a little bit of trade rumors and a little bit of uh, who is it? Scott Wheeler. Is that his name? From the athletics, yes, yes, Scott Wheeler. Wheeler's prospect rankings and where the Leafs fell in that one, and boy, did they fall from last year. But first, before we get into all that, we want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Manscaped. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls, and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knocking, and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT. There's R-I-N-K-R-A-T at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping. They always say underneath, do not read. Host to talk about a time they cut themselves 
manscaping slash funny bush story. How are you getting ready for Valentine's Day? It always says that. And it's like, I kind of look like, do I have a story? But it's like, we read these every episode. Like how many, how many like lower body grooming episode, uh, like grooming stories do they think I have? Like, <laughs> am I going to be telling the same one? I don't even think I have any really. Like, I yeah know. i don't know I, I don't have any for you either just uh i don't know in the I 80s just, apparently they all had bushes or something like that that was a trend i don't know you, you gotta you gotta ask someone from that time frame i don't think i was birthed i wasn't birthed yet for that so out of my out of my time zone or time exactly time frame. all right manscape.com 20 percent <laughs> off free shipping code rank rat let's get into it so there was the islanders yeah. game three two loss at the hands of pierre Angval. Actually, just saying his name reminded me today. Did you see the big thing that happened with the NHL statistics? No, what happened? They they audited the hits. They got someone to audit all of the like the hits from this year, and they had to republish the stats. And like they they missed a ton of hits. I don't know wow. how, but like Morgan Riley, I, I posted them on Twitter. But Morgan Riley, the number of hits that he increased by, I think, was like 30. And I think the number one increase in the league was Garnet Hathaway at 43. His hits, like just overnight, because they didn't count it properly. And insane. Like, that's just, it was a crazy statistical error, it seemed like. But yeah, wait. It, that's cr- that's honestly crazy. It that's like a shit ton. I don't have the oh here uh, here are the exact numbers. So the biggest differential for the Leafs. So before like so essentially yesterday, what were their stats yesterday versus what are they today? Morgan Riley number one, a jump of twenty from thirty nine to fifty nine. Jake McCabe ninety three to one hundred and ten. Matthew Nye seventy nine to ninety four, and then Gregor eighty four to eight ninety eight. Like everyone on the Leafs short of Maxime Lajoie was credited with at least an extra hit. Wow. So like even Fraser Minton, that cat counts Fraser <laughs> Minton. So that shows how far they, they did the whole year. Crazy. Not that it really like hits aren't really, you know. No, it's just, it's uh, just a funny thing to think about and look at. Yeah. It's like just, it's the the guy in the arena sometimes just isn't doing his job. Like, hey, I've walked by that like little station where the guy's supposed to keep track of things. He doesn't look like he's paying much attention. Exactly. <laughs> sometimes so, I want to go in there and press buttons, but anyways. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that happened, and why I brought that up because Pierre Engvall. Bef- after the first period, I decided to drop some Pierre Engvall stats. How he's doing this year? How's he look? Going into that Le- that Leafs game. He had one point in his last 19 games. In his last seven, at that time, he was credited with zero hits over his last seven games going into that Leafs game. He finally got a hit on Nick Robertson in that one, so good for him. But essentially, Pierre Engvall was just doing a shit ton of cardio on the ice before that Leafs game. And then guess who scores the game winner off just a brutal defensive sequence by the Leafs? Pierre Engvall. And that's where I take responsibility for that loss. <laughs> I lost the second by saying that. But that's don't don't take it too hard on yourself. It uh the second that we were playing the Islanders, you just knew that it the that goal was coming. You just oh, knew. Oh yeah. His first his his return back to Toronto. He that was his first game he played in Toronto. They gave him a video tribute. Which I think it was more so Josh was uh, not happy with the, my video tributes take. He was because I think he was saying like McKayev's not getting a video tribute. What the hell are you talking about? I'm like, yes, yes, he is. Sure enough, they all did. They all that did. Was right. Yeah. But anyways, let's get into the Dallas game, shall we? Let's do it. So, give us what was going on in the building. You were the man in the building. Oh. You were the man in the arena. Sorry. What was going on after that first period? No, that like first period was terrible. Like it was like brutal. It was just a bad period. I'm sure it came through on on the TV as well. Um, but the like the, even the second period, like kind of those those uh, like the the power play definitely 
the sorry penalties were helping us out. We got a couple power play points there, power play goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like once the 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 uh, Holmberg call was called, and then the breakaway, like the, everyone was booing the refs. Like it was good. It was good. It was a good. Mm-hmm fun like electric crowd a lot of goals tons of goal scoring like just a lot of fun to be in i thought the team played got much better as the game went on yeah uh, i felt like we got dealt a bad hand with like i don't like i don't like to talk i hate i hate bringing up officiating it's refing is like officiating is noise right you just gotta like fight your way through it to try and find like the truth of, of what happened in a game but this mm-hmm. is one of the few times where it's like okay like it wasn't it was very bad it felt like this game the homeberg yeah. the homeberg holding call that was just honestly a horrible call. I thought I don't know, I don't know if this is like a homer bias, but I felt like the the, the penalty shot as well. Like from what I saw, uh, and the arena felt no, soft. It was it was it was a good call. It was, the right it was a good one, call. Okay, it felt it felt a little soft. Like Dad and I was kind of like trying to sell it, which is fine, yeah. right? But sometimes they don't call it when guys try and sell it too hard. It felt like he was trying to sell it too hard. But the, the thing he that was. pissed me off the most was the Marchment no no call. Like that was just so you didn't you missed it on TV between the second and third before the start of the third. Sean McKenzie actually spelled out like what happened on that before that play because something did happen between McCabe and Marchment. And Marchment got pissed off at McCabe and he tried to go after him like after the whistle, the refs separated it. And then the next whistle, what happened? Interesting. That play. It was a it was a retaliation, one hundred and ten percent. Sheldon Keith was pissed about it in the post game, and why yeah. wouldn't you? It was late. It was a late hit. You blindsided him. Like I understand, also, don't admire your passes, but like he sends the puck up the boards, like one, two, and then blocks him. And it's it was and, a clear retaliation. And on top of that, it wasn't those one of those situations where the pass goes and the guy turns away right as the guy comes. Like his back was to Marchment the entire time. There was no point where he made a turn. And on top of that, like he basically got him in the head. Like he essentially, I get yeah. that Marchment is taller than him, so it's like he's a tall guy. So and he used his shoulder, but the shoulder makes direct contact with the head. Hence why his nose was was gushing blood. Uh, and I don't know if you saw on the yeah. broadcast, but McCabe was giving the ref shit like oh, on the they, way back. They highlighted that. <laughs> okay, yeah, he was like smacking yeah. the boards with his stick, like pointing to his face. Like I was able to see that. Like he and left honestly, it for like, so long, he just didn't he didn't touch it at all, and he was bleeding, screaming at the. It was just like, hey seven, hey seven, trying yeah. to get the ref's attention to be like, look at my face, you you asshole, it, and yeah, it, no call. So like just the combination of. Like the Holmberg penalty, which was just soft as butter. Yeah. And then directly after was the Marchment, uh, Marchment and uh, McCabe, McCabe interaction. And then right after that was the Marchment hit. It was just like, come on, man. But I almost feel like it's kind of funny in Scotiabank Arena. They don't do a good enough job really of like, like people need it really simplified. They're not mm. going to start chants on their own. Right. Like you have to kind of like spoon feed them. And I feel like when the refs, there's a bad call against the Leafs, that kind of gets people more engaged and more of a reason to yell and gives them something to yell about. So it's almost like the refs giving the Leafs a bad penalty, like kind of energizes the arena (laughs) and gives them an actual home home field advantage. That's how I feel. But just absolutely crazy to see at the beginning of the second period how the tides of the game turned because Sheldon Keefe said this as well. And I agree with him in the post game presser. He said the first like eight minutes of the game were fine. They were up one, nothing. Right. Mm. And then just wheels fell off the wagon and they looked horrendous. The rest of that first period beyond brutal. You want to know what the expected goals for percentage was in that first period for the Leafs? I feel like they got crushed. I feel like the Leafs had less than 25% of the share. Less than 9%. It was oh 8.9 or something brutal. like that. And that's it's funny because Nylander and Bertuzzi were actually like at 100%, but they were at like 0.02. And then Bertuzzi to take that offensive zone high sticking penalty was just, that was not good. That was, that was, terrible that guy's one goal in 26 games got a beautiful pass in front of the net and still did not shoot i i would love to look inside of that guy's mind right now but anyways that's neither here nor there in this one i don't know if the expected goals will agree 
probably at all, maybe at all situations because of how many chances the Leafs got on the penalty kill. But I feel like the Leafs got way more deadly chances. And then Wedgwood actually had to make a couple great saves in this one. Right. And I'll show some clips of what happened after, but like Austin Matthews getting uh, a, a good look down main street uh, off a turnover in the third period. There was Austin Matthews winning a puck battle in the corner, getting it to Mitch Marner. Yep for another great chance. That was a great one there. Like just Martin, for- like Wedge, Wedgwood, sorry, had to make more than a few great saves mm-hmm. in this one. And not only just like straight line, like, Oh, like coming in off the rush, like, okay, I have my shot here. This is going to be a good shot. Are you going to beat the goaltender? There were good opportunities with time, space and pre-shot movement in this one, but yeah. the Leafs just kind of rinsed them. Like, and he had a lot of trouble with William Nylander's shot. And I will show more of that in a second. So overall, just a brutal, brutal first period almost sunk them. And then just brain dead plays after that. I felt like, like the penalty shot, uh, William Nylander, not getting to the line who he had a fantastic game, but you're trying to kill off a six on five. You don't get to the red line. You take a shot, you miss ice. It. Like you're mm. uncontested too. You had the lane. You just kind of got a little bit lazy there. So yeah. They kind of gave the stars a little bit more to work with than they should have, but overall, I think they played pretty well, right? And McCabe got like really walked on that second goal, which sucks to say, but he did. That was that was he terrible. Got, I'll show something he, on the second goal as well. I, there was something else I noticed that he, he might agree or disagree, but yeah, he, he played that better. one terrible. Then, then just didn't play it well, and that's fine. Happens sometimes, obviously. So can't yeah. like yeah. Anyways, yeah, can't win them all, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had a bit of a yeah, an up and down game. I think overall was decent in this one. But um, yeah, Giordano, it's been ugly. I gotta say that it has yeah. not been great. There's just there was one play. I think it was in the third period where kind of his man that he was watching had the puck kind of spun off of him, and off that spin was just able to get so much time and space where I was like, oh boy, like. That that cannot be happening. Yeah. But, Why so. don't you uh, fire up those clips if you have them now? Oh, all right. Let's do it. Because I, I pretty much said my piece on the game. I thought it was a lot of uh, it was a fun game. Like it was an electric game. Um, yeah. Leafs it, felt it like was, Leafs it was felt like they It was Toronto Maple Leafs hockey twenty three twenty four essentially. Like that's how every game has been, except the, with the exception, the last two didn't go into overtime. But you never know what to expect. So this clip here is, I'm trying to figure it out, actually. Oh, okay, here it is. You can see my screen, right? Yeah. Scott Wedgwood having trouble with William Nylander's shot. Uh, There was three instances. So Nylander had two goals. One was off the one-timer on the power play. Another was off the rush where he gets a good wide-open chance here, you'll see. And then there was... Another shot that hit Wedgwood's glove off the rush, it tipped off the top, it went behind him, and then he was able to cover it. So I just want to go through these clips right here to show Scott Wedgwood had a ton of trouble with William Nylander's release. He just wasn't getting, whether like the sticks in the way were having trouble with it, but I want to take a closer look at the release to show you why... Nylander was able to like why Nylander was able to fool him. Why was there so much deception on William Nylander's shot? So taking a look at William Nylander's second goal, you'll notice if you're watching on YouTube, watch it on YouTube. Um, I have no sympathy if you're not. Anyways, <laughs> watch where the puck goes from. We'll get the, the second angle here. It goes from his heel to his toe. The stick from the defender kind of gets in the way. Okay, that does impact the goalie a little bit. But then watch where the release goes from. Right now, he's leaning on his stick. It fully looks like he's going glove side. And if you go a second forward, look where Scott Wedgwood reacts. He look it, His reaction is essentially this puck is going glove side. It's going high glove. But watch William Nylander's follow through on this one. He kind of like swoops it in to hide where the, the shot's going to go because a lot of what a goalie's reaction is based on the shot is the release, right? Mm. 
if if you see a thousand releases look one way and you then you get thrown a curveball you know it's going to be more tough to to react to it in a timely manner and as you can see here then he tries to correct himself but it's way too late by that point and he does the emphatic paddle in the air oh uh, kind of thing and the puck's behind him so just watch that release there heel to toe lean one way and then the follow through to put it blocker side there. I thought that was brilliant. Um, number one, number two was this shot here. It's the same sort of thing. Like he's, he's kind of disguising where that puck's going to go based on his release. It's not just a, a hard and clean, wind it back, throw it forward. It's he's adding that bit of deception in there on the follow through on the release. This is kind of a little bit unrelated, but someone told me that I don't know how accurate this is. And the guy that told me, like, I fully trust that he did have this conversation with him, but he said, Danny Heatley actually told him, you got to slow things down sometimes. Just throw a, throw a change up at the net. Why not? Like not, throw an unclean, like a dirty change up at the net. The goalie's always expecting for the puck to go half speed. If the puck goes or full, full speed, sorry. If the puck goes half speed, it might throw him off a little bit. It's not. It might not be a routine save if the puck doesn't get to him in, at the time that he's expecting it. Right? Does that make sense? I don't know. Like, no, that makes a perfect sense. Like, but then he was. He added that like Heatley was in the AHL at the time. Uh, <laughs> it was at the very end of his career, and he's like. Yeah, heater. Maybe you're maybe you're here because you're doing everything <laughs> half speed. So thought that last part was a nice little funny jab. But anyways, William Nylander's release gave Scott Wedgwood a ton of trouble in this game. I wanted yeah. to highlight that. Uh, number two here was the same goal. Actually, it was the the Leafs' fifth goal. Watch John Tavares on the entry here. He crosses over the line. He puts his back to, it looks like Rupe hints there. So he, John Tavares evades him like he's evading the CRA right now. Puts his back to Rupe hints, cuts towards the middle, draws in both defenders here. And then look how much room William Nylander has. He's wide open because Tavares on this play stops up, creates some time, creates some space, dishes, but also watch William Nylander. Where's he going? He's going the he's crossing over with John Tavares. Right? Hmm. I thought this was a brilliant, you can I guess call it, it it's an assist from John Tavares, but like it's kind of like an off-puck assist as well, because of how much space he's creating for William Nylander there. I thought that was really, really nice. And I mean Thank God it's William Nylander getting the puck and not like Alex Kerfoot or else, you know, I'd have to, I'd really be selling. I'd really have to sell how great of a play this was from Tavares because the puck goes yeah. in the back of the net, right? And you can fully see it. So awesome play by Tavares. That's the thing I like about Tavares' game, I've noticed. On the entries, watch him not only with the puck. He's, not, he's maybe not the greatest with the puck because he's pretty slow. But without the puck, he does a really good job of either attacking the defenseman, attacking a lane, and clearing up a little bit of space for his line mates. So just one little nuance of Tavares' game. Yeah. Um, I actually have no idea what this play is here. I have to – oh, this is the second goal. Or, yeah, Dallas' second goal. Lovely, as we mentioned on this one. So you mentioned – Jake McCabe on this one, how he just didn't play it very well. Like just gave dad, mm -hmm. wasn't able to cut off. Sorry. Wasn't able to cut the, the angle. He's coming off the bench. So that makes it a little bit tougher. So he's not in position. Uh, and yeah. Giordano maybe is playing that play a little bit too aggressively. Part that I wanted to show was also, I think Holmberg's playing this one a little bit too aggressively here. Like, I don't think he realizes that McMahon's not able to get the puck in deep. He gets in a little too deep himself, and then it allows for uh, Dadanov to walk in with a lot of time and space. So maybe maybe Holmberg got a little bit too horny on that second goal as well. But yeah, McCabe, McCabe didn't play that puck that second goal the greatest. Samsonov also lost his composure totally there. So mm -hmm. a couple things contributed to that second second goal. Um, yeah. The Leafs' third goal here, this was 
poetic justice, we'll call it. Um, because I also wanted to, I was really hoping, um, so watch this play here. Matthews goes for the wraparound. This is right before the fourth goal. What happens though? Who's first to the puck on this one? Mitch Marner's first to the puck. He's able to corral the rebound. And then he's a Mitchy magic, magic Mitch, magic mix. Start, start from the beginning this. again. Yeah, go. So he's able to get the puck. Watch who tries to give him a bump. Big bad Mason Marchman. Then he falls down, and that's why Mitch Marner's wide open. Is that yeah. this little fucker who tried to knock Jake McCabe out of the game tried to give Mitch Marner a bump? Oh nope. And then he he's wild, wildly out of position. And Marner's able to get the puck and score. So a little bit of poetic justice there. Nobody, Marchman didn't want to fight McCabe. Okay. But I think we really got him where it hurts in this one. He also yeah. had a terrible turnover um, to Austin Matthews in his own end in the third period as well. I was really hoping Matthews would bury on that one. But I'll take this one too. I mean, him falling after trying to hit a player if, four inches smaller than him, right? Quick, quick, quickly rewind this though. Rewind this to right before where he picks up the puck. No, the the second. If you hit the second angle, and if if someone's if you're listening to this, oh. you should watch watch back the second goal because look at yeah. look at the oh. look at the scan that Marner pulls off here. Like literally the split second. Like look, just oh, bang, yeah. and he just identifies. He sees basically the entire ice That's off that and creates the play right. on his own just from that right yeah. here, right there. He doesn't have like, the puck yet. He's not even close to the puck. Look how far from he, the puck he is. He hits the scan. He knows what his surroundings are. And then he's able to pick up the puck and he knows where Matthews is. Yeah. That, that's right? a perfect, that's like textbook. Like that's so exactly why does, how you want to retreat. Exactly. Like, oh, like, like he just ends up with a bunch of time and space. Like why did the D Dallas defensive breakdown occur? He scans, he knows where he wants to put that puck up next. He's able to protect him. He's able to absorb the hit from Marchment who just falls down like a big oaf and then bang skates to stick handles 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 chip and right underneath the bar i loved that goal so much i think that's our last clip there yeah that was it is. So. Yeah, that was that was a great goal that was that, honestly overall great game happy happy that the way it went few great few fantastic even the tavares goal was a really really nice one. all five were actually well matthews you know off a of stars defenseman and in so eh, whatever but four of the five were just beauties really really liked them i was curious if the Leafs were going to go another game without a five on five goal but uh, luckily you know a few dropped in the third period because they had zero five on five goals against the islanders fun fact because wow, their yeah. other goal was a four on four so, oh yeah yeah that's funny marner's other goal was a four on four so yeah um, yeah, that was the Stars game. The Islanders game, I mean, I think they fully outplayed the Islanders. Sorokin gave the Islanders a few more saves than Samsonov gave the Leafs. I don't think Samsonov was the reason they lost. I didn't. He made some pretty good saves in this one. I think he really did struggle uh, when the puck was, you know, in low danger areas where you have to make a save selection, not just like, you know, and by safe selection, I mean, is he dropping down into the leg lock? Is he dropping down into the RVH? Is he staying and, you know, staying top of the crease? That's where it gets dicey for him because you have to pick between where you're going to stand, what safe selection you're going to make. And he's not really, he's having trouble picking between them. Um, and it almost costed him. It didn't, but it almost costed him in the Islanders game. Anyway, Sorokin was fantastic in that one. Matthews hit three posts on one shot. And, you know, a turnover followed by Morgan Riley not boxing out Pierre Engvall, of all guys. It's tough to box out Pierre Engvall. He's, he's tall. He's really, really tough. If you remember him in Toronto last year, just a really, really tough guy. So must have been a really, really hard guy to box out in front of the net. Oh yeah, Pierre. As, as Leaf fans, we know how tough he can be to to play against. And yeah, uh, how do you not box out Pierre Engvall, the softest, one of the softest guys in the league? 
Yeah. So that pissed it's me off sad. a little bit. But overall, I thought yeah. they played well. It didn't warrant the explosion of hatred that it got afterwards. But you know, it was just an easy game to overreact to, fresh out of the All Star break. Though yeah. only two games on first game, like literally the first two games back from the All Star break. Like it was just an easy game to overreact to. Exactly. Um, so, but yeah, good good response in this Dallas game from the Leafs here. Um, yeah. Before we get into the trade rumors that were swirling today on Twitter or on X, excuse me. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at DraftKings. If you're looking for a super offer for the Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 bucks, $200 instantly in bonus bets. Looking at the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now, and I'm seeing coin toss outcome. You're getting plus 100 on both sides for heads and tails, a complete no-vig bet. So if you're looking for a little bit of fun, a little bit of pregame action on the Super Bowl, they got tons of odds available, including absolutely zero vig on a literal coin toss, which is always fun to bet on. Um, so make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. And when you do, make sure you use code THPN. New customers can get 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus AJ varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms responsible gaming resources just a quick plug for myself here if you're looking to bet on the Super Bowl I I produce uh football content over on forward progress go check it out today we did a five hour long live stream it was a lot of fun um I had a blast doing it uh so yeah, if you want to look for some football stuff, you know, you're trying to look for something that's not like listen, we try and be transparent over on forward progress. So just just go check it out. It's really, really cool, really proud of what we did there. So uh anyways, back back to the show here now. Cause I want to talk about uh, all right, how do I start this? The trade rumors. The trade rumors that uh were started on X today. It was a quiet it all was quiet today on X until mm -hmm. what was it, eleven? Feels like it was like eleven. 11 in the morning or something like that. 11 a.m. We had, what's this guy's name? I they, be I, the gambler. I be the gambler. And like, first of all, I'm sure, I'm sure if you're listening to this now, you've probably seen this tweet. It said, Leafs are up to something big with the Western Conference team last 24 hours. Buzz coming from Toronto, sorry, from Canada. Hashtag NHL trade deadline. This guy, I don't care how, he, I don't care how many followers you have on Twitter. This guy is like a loser for tweeting this stuff out because he is not an insider. People were trying to come to his defense saying he's an insider, this, that, like there's, there's like receipts. I'm doing air quotes right now from pe from people saying, Oh, this guy had the John Tavares signing. He tweeted no, out at 1237, John Tavares, Tavares signed with the trauma police. Like, sure. You could believe that. Or he just probably guessed tweeted it was right. And kept it there. Mm -hmm. There was also some sources where he said source was uh, where he talked about, somehow with a Frederick Anderson trade can't find that tweet, but he has a tweet from a good source saying the Leafs are looking to do something with Manson and Nylander. Guess what? That never happened. So I, I don't know. I don't know why. People how is that a receipt? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> people are convincing this guy that, that this guy is legitimate. Cause I see people saying he's legitimate called lots of Leafs trades a couple of days before Anderson Tavares signed. I think Ryan O'Reilly as well. Guess what guys, you know what this guy does? He tweets a bunch of shit. He casts a wide net. And then he just deletes what he's wrong about. If if you li listen to this show this past two years, you know what we were right about? We were right about McCabe. We were right about Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, we we were right that. about Mark Giordano. We talked about these acquisitions literally three months before they happened. You don't need well, to like have we, we actually choices. can't say Giordano because I came out and said I okay, can confirm I said that Giord he's not going to the Leafs. And then he sure enough, he did. So I was I said Giordano work. is a great target and I think he's going to land with the Leafs. And listen, listen. All I had to do was go on Twitter and say, breaking news per sources, player XYZ might get traded to the Leafs soon. And guess what? If I was wrong, I would just delete the tweet. 
And if I'm right, hey, I got receipts forever. So guys, do not listen to this guy who's trying to grow a scam tout account who is just the whole reason why his Twitter exists is to try and get people to click the link in his bio to pay him for picks. Listen, if you're going to pay somebody for picks, you're, you're doing the wrong thing because guess what? They, if they were making enough money doing it, they wouldn't be asking for your money. They wouldn't be asking for 20 bucks a month for picks. Anyways, this, the, the tell thing is completely different. The whole, this guy is, is literally a fraud. Do not listen to a word this guy says. Listen, you can be, you can have fun with this stuff. I don't, I don't want to say like, oh, don't, don't start rumors, blah, blah, blah. But don't pretend and don't lull yourself into thinking that this is a legitimate source whatsoever. Just because what? I think Chris Johnson falls. Bro, this is not, this guy is not a legitimate source whatsoever. And I will not take people on Twitter, on X, saying, oh, this guy, this guy got Tavares. He's had sources before. I'm sorry. I, I just will not do that because I know for a fact, I know for a fucking fact, this loser is out here casting the widest net possible. And when he's wrong, he just fucking deletes his tweets. And you know what? It's a shame because that's how that's what X is now. You don't have to be accurate. You just have to be first and the loudest and the most exciting. And then people will just like and retweet your stuff. This tweet that he has has 462,000 views today in less than 24 hours. It's 12 hours since he tweeted this tweet. It's about 11.35. It's 11.38 right now as we're recording. And has 462,000 views. Think about how many followers he gained. You start. You get paid for impressions on Twitter now. This guy is not doing anything good for the community it's completely selfish bullshit behavior and it pisses me off and if you're quote tweeting it acting as though like there was someone out there i'm not going to name them my name but someone out there was would quote tweeted it and was wording it as if he had insider sources on the situation saying i would not be surprised if this d luke d d group looks very different sooner rather than later when you tweet stuff like that you you come off and you try and present yourself as an expert in the field and then in the replies, you say this is an educated guest. I'm not an insider. Just why are you why are you even tweeting that originally? Say I have an educated guest here, not an insider. Like throw that in the original tweet. But no, people only do this to get your clicks, to get your interactions, because it helps them grow on Twitter. And you know what? Maybe this is the way to go. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe that's how I grow on Twitter. Maybe maybe next year or, or last year I should have tweeted out Leafs should be in, or in on Ryan O'Reilly and just make shit up. But I'm I, I I hold myself to a higher standard, and a lot of other people should as well. This is not to say don't have fun with rumors. If you want to like, if you see this and you say, hey, like, oh, mock trade, Leafs trade, whatever, Hannafin, whatever you want to do, that's fine. Talk about this stuff. But don't give these guys fucking credit who are just these losers credit. Just stop. Enough with it. I need, we need reputable sources. That's what we got to be looking for. If you want to have fun, if you want to talk rumors and have fun with it, that's fine. This is not reputable. That was bullshit. Anyways, rant over. I, I, I don't know. I kind of agree with you. Like, yeah. it, 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 I think it is fully bullshit. Come on. Like, maybe it's a low hanging the fruit. The West but, oh. out of the West. Oh, the West. The Leafs are looking for a defenseman. The Leafs might make a trade with half the NHL. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. Like, thanks, oh, buddy. Wow. Like, appreciate it. Like, we've and really more teams narrowed are in, it down. in the East and the West. Anyways, we've really narrowed it down on this one. Yeah. Uh, the West. Oh. Could be out of Calgary. Per my sources, the Leafs are interested in Chris uh, Chris Tanev. I I could just fucking tweet that right now, even though I have zero sources on it. But, anyways, and and guess what? If if you're right, if you're if if they end up trading for him, which is it's likely because hey, the Leafs need a defenseman. They're not that many defensemen available. Like there's like a a, if the Leafs traded for a defenseman, there's like a one in six shot. It's Chris Tanev because just based on the not not even yeah. con- considering the odds of like who they're likely to trade for just based on their if there's six defensemen available and you just roll a dice and they all have equal chance to go to the leafs that's a one in six shot those are pretty good odds like j- j- i'm sorry the the calling john Tavares stuff that is that would that fucking pissed me off so much because you just know that this guy has no clue he just tweeted it out and just hoped and prayed that he got that he signed that's yeah. it that's and it if he didn't he like, would delete it I think exactly. the funniest one of those like bullshit. It, it, it's it was for basketball. I don't know if you remember this years ago. This guy Ari or something like that. He was like trying to clown uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, saying like he had good, good sources and he was going to break the Kawhi Leonard thing. And like he, there were certain things that like Kawhi opted out of his contract with the Raptors. He's like, I had that four days ago. Like good try. He was trying to kept trying to clown him, and then he said he was like, oh. Kawhi Leonard confirmed to the Lakers confirmed. Like I had this first. Yep. It happened. It happened. 
And then it came out, Kawhi Leonard went to the Clippers. And this guy got clowned so hard by, it was Scott Van Pelt was clowning him in the replies. Because and he got clowned so hard, he deleted his entire account. And he was trying to like make up an excuse. He's like, no, there was a material change last minute. Material change last minute that caused this. And no, couldn't save himself. Ended up having to delete his account. But anyways, I'm sure that's not I, what people I hope this guy's want, wrong, and I hope to, he deletes his account. But guess what? He's not, he's not going to delete yeah. his account because the, the whole purpose of his account is to get exposure and to get you off of Twitter to try and buy his shitty pick package that he charges like 50 bucks a month for. Guess what, guys? Do not do that. Please, for the love of God, don't do that shit. No. Anyways. No. There is one rumor account on, on Twitter, though, that like, I swear once they got the transaction wrong, like they because mm. they tweet out a bunch of bullshit. They got the transaction wrong and then retweeted it after like the player had been traded. I'm like, this is the, not the trade though. <laughs> there's no standard, no accountability for this stuff. Like, just be careful what you read. Like, I don't know. It, it's it's not like it's gonna. It doesn't negatively affect people. It just no, pisses me whatever. the fuck off. It I just mean. pisses me off because you're just like, where where what have we come to? Like, there's no just no. Feels like there's no integrity anymore. Like fucking hell. No, Anyways. It never was. Anyways. Um, Real, there's so real now there's real Elliot Friedman trade rumors and 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 trade yes talks to, to talk even Darren Drager actually said this on overdrive today like it's everyone knows it the Leafs are interested in Chris Tanev they tried to get Tanev and Zadorov earlier in the year that didn't work out now they're fully looking at Chris Tanev the asking price has been a second there are many teams interested and Darren Drager actually mentioned the Oilers are have thrown their hat in kind of they're interested as well the senators are interested on top of that too the asking price is probably around a second from what everyone's saying the leafs don't have a second so calgary's kind of hope holding out for their first but the leafs are it's they're playing poker right now mm. so as we mentioned do you you know do you trade a first for tanev and a third do you trade a first for tanev and something else right like that's where maybe they'll make it work friedman mentioned maybe they try for he's speculating but maybe they try for hannafin and tanev which you'd have to give up a boatload for that one but that'd be that'd be okay ish and also he added in his 32 thoughts the leafs are looking for a center yeah and again like Elliot Freeman, when Elliot Freeman says that, that means like the team is probably making calls and looking for it. But we literally did an episode three, four, five, six weeks ago, maybe about what the Leafs need. And we came to the conclusion it's either a center and a D-man or a center and two D-man or just two Mm D-man. And just to further my point, and I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here. We could have tweeted out the Leafs are looking for this stuff, retweeted after this Elliot Freeman report saying, see, guys, we're right. Like, no, you just got to like we watch. You just know the team. You can make these easy, educated guesses on what we would be interested in. Anyways, um, yeah, that's that's the important report here. Centering was interesting. I'm just going to throw names out there. Just like I I, I feel like I saw I some doubt. Scott. I saw some Scott Lawton love on Twitter. Mm. Potential connection. I could I could easily see if we're looking both for a center and D-man, it being the Flyers and looking at Sean Walker and Scott Lawton. That makes a lot of sense to me. That's expensive. I, I'm I'm not I'm not sold I'm not sold on Scott Lawton as a player, but I think I think Sean Walker would be a fit on this Leafs team. Um, so problem is he's not they're not in the Western Conference. So um, um I will say this: they did noticeably give Max Domi more minutes tonight. He was dash two against the Islanders, only played 10-48. He got 15-42 tonight. And they were playing him a couple times on the wing of Matthews and Marner's line. So I thought that was a little bit interesting there. But in terms of the need for the third-line center, I mean, this is what your third-line center is playing right now. 10-48, mm-hmm. 11-35, 14-41, 10-15, 14-19, 10-31, 11-19, and so on and so forth. You get the picture there. They're practically getting no power. He's practically getting no power play as well. I really do think that Keith, if Keith were making the decision, he would want a more defensive-focused center. Mm. The Capitals are out of the playoffs. They lost to Montreal yesterday. They're out of the playoffs by a decent amount. It's starting to pile up the losses. I really do think the Leafs are going to take a good look at Nick Dowd. Whether it's deserved or not, 
I think they're going to take a look at Nick Dowd. It's a very affordable cap hit. So there's that too. I just think like Scott Lawton is going to go for a first minimum. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Like Sean Monahan I... just went for a first and a conditional third. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for that Cal. We talked with it uh, to Frankie Corrado about it and they didn't even half retain him. It's it's not for a third. It's just for a first. It's just for let's be honest. It's just for a first. And I'm gonna get. I I honestly want to get old takes exposed. If this is like, if if the if the Winnipeg Jets win the cup, I I will. I'm willing to to bet the no on the Winnipeg Jets not winning yeah. the cup there. On and just just to throw in something with their there with the Monahan thing. It seems like they wanted to play Monahan on their first power play, which is part of the reason why they paid so much for him. But it was, it's still like a massive overpay. Like I don't oh, think yeah. it's. I know it's a market setter, but it's an overpay. Like, yeah, because you you just made stinks. Yeah, you just. But to be fair, though, I think I don't know. I think Winnipeg might have made their power play worse by doing that move. But that's a that's a discussion for another day. Who knows? You got to change something, so you got to appreciate. Like they said, Monahan checks a lot of boxes. I think like they were looking a lot at like, you know, maybe some some finishing ability there, not as much as there used to be. He's got a, still got a pretty good shot, but he doesn't score as much as he used to. Yeah. Um, he is a pretty good playmaker. I will say that. Uh, like we talked to, with, go listen to the last episode with Frank. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, go he explained him very, very well. Yeah. And why he would go for a first, that affordable cap hit, but they didn't even half retain for him. So that first round pick is, it, it's, it's a lot, a lot, a lot. And if you're like Scott Lawton now, if he goes on the market, I swear he's got more term. He's got term to his contract. It's a little bit, he's getting paid more than Sean Monaghan, but he's going to be just way overpaid, I feel like. But that, yeah, that could, yeah, that's a good point. Never, I didn't look, uh, this is just off the cuff. It's going to be a first and, plus. And if he has term, I can see Brad I, Tree Living liking that, being like, okay, now we're set for next year. We have more, um, certainty for what we mm-hmm. have for next year as well we have now we're going matthews tavares lawton camp up the middle yeah but so, like to give up a first for that it's, it's just so these prices are absolutely ludicrous this year yeah for not and, good players i think i think if we hold out a bit i think we're going to see prices come down i think the Prices are inflated as a result you of think? the Monahan trade. And I think a lot of these teams are gonna want to move off of their at least for the UFAs, they're gonna they're like the 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 sellers are gonna be the one bending, I think, this 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 uh this trade deadline. I think I might be wrong, but I think there there might be some bending with the sellers here because I think there's gonna be a holdout of trades and, and uh, again, I don't know. This is just my read on things. Um, but uh, you mentioned something. That I think was pretty important so, to get. Just to get, just to close off that last thought, you think the sellers are going to bend? Yes. I think that will happen if and only if more sellers come to the forefront. Mm, it doesn't point. look like there's a lot of sellers at the moment right now. So supply and demand. What happens when the supply is low? And the, like, the demand is high. The prices are going to go up. Right. I. I I think I think there's teams that are wanted like are are unsure if they're sellers, but they're like allowing team like they're talking to teams as if they're sellers. So it's like they need to make the decision yeah. on if those teams are in the mix. But those those teams almost have a catch twenty two though because if they're out yeah. of the mix, then they drive up the they are essentially helping out other other teams by increasing the price by decreasing demand. Anyways, yeah. Um, so that's yeah. the other thing. Like if if Washington goes on another little skid here. They're kind of totally out of the playoffs. Why wouldn't they sell, like, some some of their players? Like, like I sure. Nick Jensen looked pretty decent last. I think he could be a solid. I watched him against Montreal. I was somewhat impressed. I haven't gotten a good enough look, but I I, I saw some game there. Like Nick Dowd is the other guy that I mentioned there. Like they got some pieces that they could move. So Washington's something to watch out for. Like Columbus, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but the Sabres don't have too, too much. But again, like, I don't know, there's certain teams where it's like, if you, like, Washington's lost five in a row, like, could it hit a point where it's like, okay, pack it in for the year, guys, right? Yep, for sure. So that could end, that could help, help out with prices. We'll say that. Um, Philly's still in a, playoff spot that's just insane to me 
And then well, who's the other teams in here? Like the Kraken. That's another interesting one there too. We've mentioned them before. They're four, five, and one their last ten. The Predators have actually lost three in a row too. And the Preds are tied for a last playoff spot. They have two games. The Blues have two games in hand though. And the Kraken are two points back. So like they're it's kind of tight right now. It's separating a little bit. It's not as tight as it was before. Like the the Coyotes are now kind of in seller territory. The Wild are still in seller ter- territory. So, yeah, a long-winded answer, but essentially more teams still need to enter the seller territory for the prices to come down. They're yeah, going to sure. remain ludicrously high, and if we get to the deadline and the Kraken are still two points out of the playoffs, the Flames are only three points out of the play. Well, a few games in hand here and there. The Predators, if they're still tied for the last playoff spot, uh, same thing. Like if the the Capitals like write off eight eight wins in a row, like what are they gonna do? You know, that's where you're gonna start to see like Scott Lawton's gonna go for fucking two first round picks at that point. So these next few games. This February, the month of February in terms of games, that's that's a really big month to watch, to pay attention to everything, to pay attention to all of the standings, to pay attention to the Leafs because they're not in the playoffs by leaps and bounds by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, so just a segue here, you brought up a little bit earlier talking about what, what the Leafs would be willing to part ways with and how um, it's hard to part ways with a first it's hard to part ways with prospects because we already have a limited prospect pool and scott wheeler uh of the athletic this past week released an article he usually does this around the midway point of the season i believe he does it around the all-star break uh just talking about where the least rank prospect rankings wise among the rest of the nhl and uh they rank his ranking he has them at 28 which is a 10 10 place drop from 19 which were they were at last year around this time um i think it's important to like kind of pay attention to this stuff because uh you gotta like if if we want to be buyers we're gonna have to part ways with something and our prospect pool is already thin we don't like you mentioned we don't have second round picks for the next three years we don't have a first round pick in 2025 we need a way to replenish the 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 pool here um i do want to note though it's important to mention this the lease were the reason why they fell so low is because they had guys graduate. So it's not like our prospect pool got worse as a result of our prospects declining in, in value or play uh, math. Like most notably what he wrote here is that Matthew Nyes graduated from his prospect pool rankings. Nick Robertson also graduated from the prospect pool rankings and Joseph. Oh, Wolf so that's, that's, that's three. He wrote that those three graduated yes. from them. Yes, oh, that, that's, that's, that's huge. That's, yeah, so losing those three, like you're losing three people in a prospect pool. He ranked 14 players, so you're losing or 12 players this year for the Leafs. So that means yeah. you're losing a, a quarter of your players. Of course, if you only have three picks to replenish that pool, chances are it's not going to go so well. But what was interesting to me and what kind of stuck out to me was the number one guy in our prospect right now, according to Scott Wheeler, is Easton Cowan. So yeah. kudos, kudos to the... 100%. Kudos to the Leafs and kudos to the organization for making that pick because a lot of people, a lot of people are going to have to go back and delete some tweets on Easton Cowan because a lot of people are saying, who the F is this guy? Um, from what I've read in this article, if you have The Athletic, Scott Wheeler has spoken very highly of them. They talked talk with uh, Rob Simpson, who's the manager, excuse me, assistant general manager of the London Knights. He said, if you looked at his point production, uh, Cowan in the playoff, with, with Cowan in the playoffs, he's right up there with some of the yeah. best names at 17. He lists guys like Max Domi, Corey Perry, Borhovat, Borho, excuse me, Bo oh, Horvat, Robert Thomas. There, like, there's some really high level names that he's upward there with. So, Cowan's you know a lot of Cowan's point, like his his point streaks at right now. Is it 24 games or something like that? No, 19. 20 games. 19. You ruined it. You ruined it. I thought I saw 19. Like that's that's it's, fantastic. He has he's averaging like two points a game in that span. I, that's what I was saying. I, I I saw that he had like 24 points in like 10, like what was it, like 15 games, whatever, 16 games or something like that. It's crazy. Yes. Too. It's nuts. Well, by the time this comes out, he's gonna it's gonna be 24 games. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot like, there to. When do you think we're releasing? This? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> a lot, a lot to like there with um, with yeah. Easton Cowan. 
the thing Gotta that, give credit okay. where credit is due. Carlo Coliaco and Frankie Corrado both were saying, like after the Leafs drafted them, they did panel work for some of the CHL games and they watched mm. London in the playoffs. And they probably didn't watch London very much in the regular season. They watched London a good amount in the playoffs and they said, wow, like I liked Easton Cowan. Like I liked him in the playoffs. I thought, I think this is a solid pick. So shout out to those two guys. Yeah. And then a, a couple other things that I thought were interesting uh, to me, our number two ranked prospect, I, I wouldn't have guessed it, but uh, Wheeler has Dennis Hildeby as our number two ranked prospect right now. Um, had some good things to say here. It's always tough to project goalies to be fair. Like, this isn't like a slight on Wheeler, but last year this time he had Wall as our eighth best prospect. Listen, it's not it's not easy to project goalies at all. Uh, so uh, yeah, there's that number yeah, three. Yeah, but when you look at it, Wall is a 98 born, so he was what 24 at the time. Mm. He was just kind of coming into his own in the AHL, and he was coming off of a big shoulder surgery. So I think at this point last year, I don't even know if Wall was like back on the active roster yet. Or if me, yeah, no, sorry, he would have been in the AHL. He would have been ripping up the AHL pretty good, but yeah, so kind of hard to tell. But yeah. I will say this: Hildeby at one point had a nine thirty. He's down to a nine nineteen. But, but some fun clips came out this weekend. Did you see what the Marlies were tweeting? No, All Star game in, for the oh, AHL, yeah, and they Lost do the a three on O drill. They do like a back and forth drill, which is really cool. And he did awesome in both of those. So that was fun to see. But I've, yeah. I've, I've highlighted Dennis Hill to be very well. I have my opinions on him. He still has some work to do, I will say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just going to run through a couple other prospects here before yeah. we sign off. Uh, number three, Toppy Niemla. I didn't expect him to be number three. I thought maybe Fraser Minton. Number three is Niemla? Yep. Niemla I thought you said was. No, I, I messed that up. Sorry, I got the two. Oh, the wrong, wrong fan. Yeah, my bad, my bad. So, yeah, Nimala is number three. Uh, just basically TL, TLDR from Wheeler here projects him to be uh, number four or five at his ceiling, six, seven floor. Wow. The problem with him is he's small, and I think he's not strong enough yet. He's still only 21. Um, but the biggest thing that stuck out to me, what Wheeler said, is that he's smart on his exits, uh, and he can make subtle plays with the puck uh, to evade pressure, escape danger, and get the puck out of the zone, which is something I feel like the Leafs have been like lacking this this year um from defensemen so it's that's like a little bit interesting to say like hey maybe this guy comes into the nhl sooner than we expect if we're if we're not able to address this problem sooner rather than later i'm not saying this year maybe next year we'll see uh, because i think that is a hole with the team but again the problem being if you're that small and if he does from the sound of it he doesn't have the best footwork either if you're that small you don't have good footwork it's gonna it's like a tough tough hand to deal um yeah. So that that one, and then th this leads me to number four, Fraser Minton. Uh, I don't, I don't want to like. I feel like I'm lower on Fraser Minton than almost the every everyone in Leafs Nation. But this kind of reaffirmed it for me. Everyone talks about him as if he's like a highly touted prospect. But like, what what do you want? You got to think about what you want from your prospects and what the upside is of them being here. Yeah. Like we were talking off air beforehand. Like you gave the upside of Cali Yarncrook, and I think that like that's the upside upside. Yeah like the, the generous upside, right? And if that's the ceiling, I'd be more than happy to part ways with Fraser Minton for a guy like, like if Fraser Minton's the difference between like getting a Noah Hannafin or something crazy like that, like you got to pull the trigger on that because I don't, I like from what I saw of Fraser Minton in the NHL, the way that he's not really dominating OHL at the OHL at his age, sorry, WHL at his age. It's uh, that's, I don't want to call it a red flag, but, He's just an effort-based player who doesn't have the skill upside. So, okay. and I, I, and Wheeler agrees, he's going to be a bottom six center in the NHL, which is good. Yeah, it'll be a cost-controlled bottom six center, which is incredibly helpful for you. But at the same time, if like I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop him from, uh, from being like allowing us to make this team a lot better. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much the the major prospects we have in our pool here. Before we get out here, a couple more that I want to highlight. Ronnie Hervinen, number six. Uh, some th This is just an update on him. Unfortunate injury situation where I think he just returned from... He yeah. had an eye... Had so he an got assist a high, in his first game. So he got a high stick in the eye. He's lost part of his vision, which is terrible. Terrible he, to hear. Oh. Yeah. He lost part of his vision. So hopefully he can like just play... Like just get back to like his normal playing... Like it's, I feel like he's a little bit far away now as a result of that. Always sucks to hear. It's terrible. Uh, the bright spot, according to Scott Wheeler, of the 
the the the best story, I guess, is what, what he put is Nick Nikita Gribyonkin, who you've probably seen, and I probably his last name. Where does he have him ranked? He has him ranked at number seven, drafted as an over overager oh, wow. in the 2022 draft year, fifth round. Um, he led the MHL in scoring. So he I believe- is right now. Grebyankin is second in the KHL for U21 or U22 yeah. scoring. U21 scoring. He's he's well as of this article. Maybe he passed uh, Dan Danila Yurov, who's his teammate. But he's third according to this article. It's between Yurov, him, and Mitchkov. Still, that's good company to be around under 21 in the KHL. He's six foot two. I, I don't know if he plays like a power forward. I'm not going to pretend like I watch him. But he did. Did, there was a clip circulating of him fighting. So uh, do with that what you will. Still think he's probably a couple, like a little further away than people expect him to be. But if he could just be like a complimentary, uh, Wheeler saying if he could be a complimentary uh, NHL winger, that that would be the right path for him. Just need patience yeah. uh, in his development because there's obviously holes in his game. So those are a couple that I wanted to highlight here. If you want to check out the article, it's over at The Athletic. Um, go check it out. It's a good read, fun read. Um, yeah, just wanted to touch on those things. The my biggest takeaway is that I really think is Leafs Nation, on that list at all. Yeah, Tverberg is ninth. Hmm. He's yeah. been hot recently. He's he's got uh, when he gets the puck with uh, with space, he's he's been able to bury, which has been really really cool to see. Um, he's 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 been hot recently, so see him that low. I'd, uh, maybe it'd be a little touch higher, but uh, that's okay. Who did he have sixth then? Sixth was uh, Hervidan. Fifth was Act 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 Actimov. Archer, Archer Actimov at six yes. or at five or six? Five at five. At five, Archer Actimov. It was Actimov. So he Hervidan, doesn't even have like Noah Chadwick on this list at all. Chadwick is a little bit lower. Chadwick's thirteenth. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I I've checked in. I've watched highlights on all of these guys. I've watched some of them. I've watched the Marley's guys more than the non Marley's guys, um, obviously. So that's where I know a little bit. Like Greg Yonkin, I've just watched highlights. Aktimov, I've just watched highlights. Um, but yeah, that's where the goalie discussion is very very odd. It, it's such a it it is kind of a coin flip because Aktimov is faster. Than Hildeby is. Hildeby's just massive. He's six foot seven. But Aktimov moves better in the net. I will say that. But Aktimov has things to his style that I, from what I've seen, that he really, really needs to clean up. I think he's way too wild in the net and needs to clean up his form uh, as well as uh, what's it called? His positioning. Just like a little bit of what I saw, just over challenging, sliding all over the place, not being, not getting set on shots, that sort of thing. But you know, the speed and size is there. So that's always encouraging, but yeah, who knows what we have until he gets to, to North America kind of thing. Yeah. So we'll see an interesting list, but it has been reported. The Leafs are not willing to part with Cowan and Minton. And it looks like it's because they're, they want them to be cost controlled options in the lineup come next year. Fair enough. That, that is, that is like completely fair course like like path to take yeah. for this team like team building wise i just would be hesitant to say no to a deal if if it if it truly improves your team long term if you feel like it improves your team long term and the the acquisition cost is like the difference of you saying yes and no is fraser minton it could be a mistake again this all depends on what the deal is i just think that a lot of leafs nation is higher on fraser minton than uh we than, than, than what we should be is what I'm saying. And I don't, I don't want to be, ne- I'm not trying to be negative. Off air, Jason called him Frederick Gautier. <laughs> I didn't say that's, that, that's a little bit out of context. I'm saying I, in my, the way I described it was like his career path would, would okay. probably be like something similar to that. Where Where's maybe Fred he's Gautier like a, right now? I don't know. Switzerland. Switzerland. So who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, <laughs> Anyways, we, we we talked a lot about Minton and his flaws earlier on in, in the in the year. If you want to go check that out, the biggest thing from the prospect pool, biggest takeaway. This is just from Scott Wheeler. Uh, we lack top end talent, obviously, um, but he said that there's a lot of middle tier talent, not middle tier as in middle six talent, like just middle tier prospects 
yeah. which makes our pool relatively deep. So it's a, it's a, it has a lot lack of high end, but it's, it it has a lot at the back end. So you have like yeah, like a lot of guys five. where it's like, huh, like that's some that's some good production in that league. Like, dark in that position. like Chadwick's dark producing throw. very well. Grip yeah. Yonkin for his age is producing very well in the KHL right now. Like there, there's, there's there's some things to you know be like, huh, like that's that's a, that's good to so see. He he tiered it off with uh with uh nine uh sorry eight players in this middle tier so the top yeah. tier was the first four then there's nine players in that middle tier if two of those even sniff an nhl game that's positive i think so um they're just dart throws and if they can get in they get in that's, that's all yeah. it is that's part of the game so anyways hopefully hope people enjoyed that little prospect update um shout out to scott wheeler because that's all this is all him i just read his article basically yeah. i read his article and, and just kind of try to share with you his thoughts on it um and yeah. with a little bit of my thoughts in there as well. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that's all we have for today. Am I yes, not sir. correct? All right. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, we get another few Leafs wins to talk about for next week. Let's do it. Go Leafs.